Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nullcast. Bud, we will, uh, you know, we will do an NC State preview, certainly. Uh, at this point in the year, we will kind of modify some of that. We're not going to spend 48 minutes talking to you guys about what their tendency is with a three-man front or whatever else. But uh, we'll give you an idea as to this. <laughs> and uh, and obviously, there's a lot of personnel news that we'll We'll get to as well. So, uh, as always, we thank our friends at Louisiana Hot Sauce. Uh, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. Uh, they're there for us when it's two and five, uh, just as they were in some of the more successful years of the beginning of the sponsorship. So, fortunate to be able to go through uh, all sorts of situations with them, and we thank them as we begin the podcast tonight. Yeah, buddy. So let, let's go ahead and get into this. Uh, but we we need to get Louisiana to give us some of those uh, variety packs. Maybe we can give some away. To our listeners, I, I saw that on Instagram the other day. You can follow, you can follow the Nolcast on Instagram. You can follow Louisiana Hot Sauce on Instagram and Twitter as well. So you want to go with the guys who are, are quote no longer part of the program, or you want to go with the guys who uh, who are out for the year with injury? I mean, the I don't know if the bigger story. Certainly, the more impactful is the fact that you won't have Love Taylor. Now, that's not a surprise. We uh, that was kind of where we thought this was going from the moment that injury took place. But that's. Uh, that's a big loss. At the same time, you know, there was some shred of positive uh, discussion around that with that being the first time I think they've publicly acknowledged that he's kind of in their plans for next year as well. And hopefully uh, Florida State is in love Taylor's plans as well. And he certainly brought, um, you know, a level of stability. A lot of the uh, times where we thought this offensive line has had success, uh, a lot of it's been dictated by the, the quarterback. Uh, but Washington, or excuse me, love Taylor brought a lot to a position that needed some and we're not going to, you know, overstate what he was, but uh, that's a nice ad. And at the same time, it gives you optimism, let you know that you can go out and get a piece, a decent piece, never to be confused with a, you know, plug and play all American or anything else, but a, a decent piece and that it had a, a nice impact on your, your team and roster and certainly a process that they'll be looking to repeat. Yeah, man, they, they need him back next year for sure. It's, it's, you know, not a dire situation, but he was one of their better players on offense this year, and you're going to need him back. With with Marvin and, and that, like with them announcing that Marvin's going to be out for the year, I mean, we're not really surprised. I think no, knowing knowing that he's banged up, knowing that he's not had the year that he wanted to have when when he came back, and and I mean, who knows? Maybe he's one of those guys who doesn't want to use the phrase "opt out" and just wants wants to. I don't say wants to. Like I, I think he's legitimately banged up. And at this point, does it actually make sense to try to come back and play one final game? No, it's just FSU finally went ahead and, and announced it. Um, Mike Morbell made some comments about uh, Hompson Azraldine, what having his best week, I think it was, and then looking looking better there. Ultimately, like impact on the program of of Marvin leaving, relatively low impact because he, he was already hurt. PR wise, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Uh, he already, you know, kind of publicly made up with with Mike Morvell after his comments this summer, and ultimately, I think it's just time to turn the page. You're, you're just not going to get buy-in from some of these dudes who have had three coaches in four years at the head coach level, and then in some cases, four position coaches in four years at the position coach level. And you, you've got to, you know, you got to flip this roster culture-wise. And then I think there's a lot of a lot of guys in this team who are not conducive to having a winning football culture and they're going to have to, to, to kind of phase these guys out as they go. And the two guys who are no longer part of the program, um, I think are very different type dudes. Cause I, I think James Blackman was a really good culture guy. I think everybody in that building 
felt really bad for him when he got booed the other, the other night, you know, and people can ask, okay, why would you put him in the game? But he's the backup quarterback. So that's just kind of the answer to that, right? I, we all kind of assume, okay, they've moved on to Trevor Purdy, but at the same time, uh, you know, maybe Blackman at that point had not moved on. Maybe he still thought there was some hope that he could actually put it together still and had not moved on from it. And if he's the back quarterback, you're not going to pass him up. You know, it, it's, it sucked for, for people who were in the stadium, you know, on, on that sideline here to get booed because he was still, still pretty actively, you know, involved in the game, I thought. On the other hand, you know, Terry's a guy, I don't know that you ever got that buy-in from him. You know, like this is a program that, has, that, that is going to want guys who actively want to be coached and who are okay being criticized and, and who want to get better. And I don't know that Terry is the guy who was setting the best example for the young guys on this team. I'm not saying he was like an active anti-leader. That's not my, that's not my point at all. I just wonder if he was somebody who actually, you know, set the example every day at practice of, of how to give championship level effort, how to, how to really have great attention to detail, that kind of stuff. And he hasn't been healthy all year. You know, he, he's been fighting through an injury. So I think for him, it was interesting that that they the language they used with Terry was different than the language they use with Wilson because I think they could have easily said Terry's just going to be out the rest of the year with an injury. Instead, they said he's no longer part of the program. Yeah, no, it's a, a definitive end to the relationship. Uh, it's interesting, you know. I mean, that, it's it's been a challenge. I, I really wonder, and I'm not nar- knocking Marvin, but I, I really wonder if Florida State wouldn't be better served if just everybody that's not going to be taking part in games uh, is not necessarily a practice. So if, you know, Marvin's, uh, if they feel they're certainly closer to the individual in the situation than I am, if they think uh, Marvin being at practice is a good thing, then, you know, I'll certainly yield to their idea. And we'll see if he is. I mean, like, like, are, are you expecting him to be at practice for the rest of the year? Uh, they talked about it some, yeah. Uh, or my impression was that it was discussed some. Yeah, you, I mean, and that's certainly valid as well. We'll have to see how much of that really plays out or, or if this is more just kind of messaging and phrasing uh, surrounding a guy. You know, I'll certainly point out that, and not that a kid realizes the difference when he runs on the field and there's booze in the stand. I, I think the, a lot of the booze are more directed at Mike Norvell than they were James Blackman at the idea of him being put in the game. But you're not going to expect a college kid to you know, one, know the difference or that, or two, really care. I mean, if anybody's getting booed because I'm running on the field, that's a real hard knock for me to take as a as an athlete. So that's a, that's a tough situation. But are you surprised there one more personnel discussion? I mean, I, I... A little bit. If some of the guys didn't make practice earlier in the week that I believe to be the case, I wish there was more discussion, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm not looking for kids to get kicked out of school or whatever else. Uh, but, you know, if you're not... If you're not on board, we don't need to string this race out any longer. And it's so, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. And, may, and maybe there are, and it was just deemed that, hey, you know, we don't need you to go to a press conference today and announce that eight people are gone, per se, or something like that. I mean, I, I agree from a PR perspective, it's not a major black eye, but certainly the further you are away from the program, the worse that this looks. Uh, if, if you're the type of person that listens to, you know, 40 minutes that you and I do um, twice a week or, you know, read a, check a certain website three or four times a day, then I don't think any of this necessarily shocked you. But uh, I mean, I've had national media members reach out to me via text and other things today, just asking, well, yeah, that seems like an awful, an awful lot of condensed uh, and significant roster movement there. Well, 
yes and no. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Wish Terry the best of luck in whatever he has in front of him. Obviously, James, a uh, really great teammate. I hope he finds his footing somewhere and has success. And uh, we'll have to see what Marvin does as he gets ready for the draft. I, I, I agree with that. Um, I I thought you could have seen more today, but at the same time, I, I think there's going to be a little bit of some of these dudes finding out that they are not as wanted as they think they are. That's why you and I laughed at the idea that, that there are multiple guys on this team who want to transfer who Florida would take. I think some of these guys are going to find out that, hey, you know what? You're decent coming out of high school. You haven't done a damn thing yet in college. And like we respect Mike Norvell a lot as a coach and think he runs a good program and respect a lot of the coaches over there. So, you know, I don't know if we really want to take a shot on you. I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if, if we do. Uh, to be clear here, I do not think that the exodus of players is over. It could wait until after the regular season, though. Like, it, it could easily happen before the bowl game. We could have another one next week. Who knows? I, I think it's entirely possible. There's no way that they are done getting rid of guys on this roster or guys just choosing to, to leave. I also want to make this point because I think there's a lot of a lot of uncertainty about this out here. You do not get extra roster spots to fill this year for each additional kid that leaves the team. Your incoming players are capped at 25 plus however much you can back count to last year's class, which I believe is one, maybe two. I'm pretty sure it's one though, if my math on this is right which means that Florida State can take 26 new players as long as it has room for them. It does have room for them. Each additional guy you take off this team does not get you to a 27th or 28th or 29th new player. You are still capped. There's a really good chance Florida State is going to play at, at, at under the maximum total roster size. The issue that FSU is having right now is not related to total roster size. They are not having to kick kids off or get rid of kids, you know, um, because they're troublemakers in order to, to free up room on the roster. Their issue is that they, don't, they can only take 26 new kids, which is still a good number. I mean, let, let, let's not pretend it's, it's 15 or something like that. But so for all the people that, hey, like, why aren't we kicking off more? Why aren't we you know, creating more roster room? No, no, no. The reason why you kick off a kid right now is because he's a problem kid, because he, he sets a bad example, because he's not buying into your culture. He's not going to be part. Of, of this long-term flip. You don't do it just to clear up a room. You know, I, I had guys you know, asking me this week, hey, what, what about this kid? He never plays. Like, what, why can't you get rid of him? It's like, look, from what I know, he goes to class. He cares about school. He still shows up to practice and, and, and works. You know, like he's never going to get on the field because he, talent-wise, he's just not there. He hasn't really been developed, blah, blah, blah. But there's no real reason to boot a kid like that right now because it's the, that doesn't free up any roster space for you. And yeah, the APR is going to get suspended, but only for two years. And it's just not a great precedent to set when kids are doing everything the right way. You don't really have any violations of team rules to, to, to bust them on. And then, you know, like they're, they're not going to go and make up stuff just, just to get you off just because you're not a good player. Like they, they actually have to have a legitimate reason to, to void your scholarships since they're four-year agreements now. I just wanted to clear that up. Yeah, everybody in their mind should have a hard cap of, of 25 in the back of their mind as to what's available. And let's just say 26 so we, we can take the mystery out of like how many back counts you can have. I think it's 25 yeah, plus true. one this year. 
Um, we won't spend as much time, but Jarrett Jackson, long discussed uh, transfer from Louisville, becomes officially eligible, gets uh, waivers processed. We've we've talked about this kid previously. We'll have to see what he does. Uh, was not you know wildly loved necessarily by some of the Louisville coaching staff, but yeah, I'll, I'll believe I'll believe that that he's going to do something for State when, when I see it. Uh, I I have enough skepticism of him based on people I trust. Uh, if if his uh, if his body is reshaped somehow. And, and he's into it and wants to give effort, then then maybe I'll, I'll start to start to buy it. But I I don't think you're gonna get anything out of that guy. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. That that is a guy that uh, as much as we downplay like the hey, don't lose yourself in the summer because you know somebody posted a message board <laughs> a picture on a message board and a Florida State linebacker has a bunch of veins popping out of his arm or whatever. That, that may be one of the few guys that you can judge a little bit more aesthetically if he goes through the summer. Uh, you know, really transforms his body. There's, there's some obvious buy-in, then maybe that's something that you can transform uh, or trans, uh, you know, find transferable as to where he is with his relationship with the game and um, what ultimately becomes of him. But eligible, we'll see what happens from here. But before we move into the uh, actual game preview, do you want to speak to our good listeners about the experience that you've had with the legendary team there at Hamilton Home Loans? I do, yeah. Uh, so the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans Shannon and Chad do a tremendous job. Over 100 NOLCAST listeners have used the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans for their home loan or refi. I did it twice. It was great. I mean, just awesome rate, great customer service. If you want to you know, call, call Shannon and commiserate a little bit, 844-FSU-LOAN about just how bad this team is playing right now and maybe your hopes, uh, hopes and dreams for the future, uh, go ahead and do that. Give, give those guys a shout, 844-FSU-LOAN. I know they'll be really happy to hear from you. And uh, let's. Let's go ahead and, and uh, I mean, do you want to talk more like the, the messaging of, of Norvell today? Did, did it look like he was pretty eager to just get past these things to you? Because it, it kind of did to me. It was like, like, hey, we thank him, but. A little bit. I think he's tired. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I think anytime, <laughs> you know, like if you've got to go into your boss and tell you, tell him like, I've got uh, maybe one problem, two problem, three problem. Like, you know, like, let me, let me knock these out real quickly so you don't have a chance to. Uh, sit on him. I do think there was a little bit of like, hey, I've got some news. I want to get it out. Let's talk. You know, I'm not going to sit here and, and uh, you know, beat around the bush. And especially if this is kind of was phrased as a uh, day where there would be personnel updates. So, yeah, I mean, I think he wanted to go ahead and get that out of the way. Uh, I don't think that Mike Norvell uh, checks message boards or gives a damn about him, but I do think that there was a broader awareness of like, Hey, there's, you know, there's, there's an idea that 17 people might not be on the team come Wednesday or something like that. So, which was never true. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, let's be real here. Like, there's no way that they're going to lose 17 kids. And some of those names that are floating around there, I, I think we're just made up out of the ether, man. Like, I was like, what? Well, like, some of these guys don't make any sense just, just based on, on our info. I mean, some of them certainly did, but I don't know. It, you got to be careful who you trust. I, I feel like, but I do think that. He purposely said, "Hey, I'm going to talk roster changes on Wednesday." Because I, I think there was some up in the air stuff. Like, are you going to be are you going to be with the program? You not. Like, do you want to be bought in? Do you not? Do you want to stay here in rehab, or do you just want to go do your own thing? And I think some of these guys said, "You know, I'll, I'll go ahead and stick it out. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if I can transfer in the offseason. I mean, I, I think there's a directness uh, with Norvell that I appreciate to an extent. I'm also aware as to kind of how all college coaches approach situations like that and that you've got to take things with a, a grain of salt. But let me just say, I, I think to an extent that directness transfers over to the players. I think, you know, for 
for uh, some of the frustrations that I voiced with some of his decisions uh, last week and, and other times. I, I do think that that guy uh, speaks to a player's at a uh, honest level as far as a bluntness that is, is that is appreciated. And you can figure out whether or not you think it's going to work and kind of make decision accordingly. And not to an extent that that doesn't happen uh, with every staff, but I, I don't know that, you know, maybe quite as uh, some of the honest truths have been spoken to players for a couple of years in the roster and uh, locker room slash roster. I, I, I think that's fair. Um, especially not always, always the hard truth. You want to, uh, you want to talk a little, little NC state, man. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm thinking about this. It, it's uh, it's a weird team. It's, it, it's, it's a, it's a tough team to eval. We, we can go ahead and, and, and get into this, but we can set some goals. I, I don't want to pretend like the season's over. We, we still have what, four games to play, but, uh, but ultimately, I mean, we're, we're kind of just, I think if you gave the staff truth serum and said, Hey, if you could just skip to the end of the year, you know, play, still play the bowl game to get your bowl practices, would you do it? I think they would all say, yeah, yeah. We just want to get through this. Thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the case with a lot of people at this point. And, uh, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's enjoy that the ACC is actually playing games because looks like the SEC is on the verge of basically taking the weekend off with the exception of maybe one or two games and, it's me knocking on wood, by the way. I mean, I I I think that schools tested today in the ACC, so okay. All right. hope that I got we're not you. like, yeah. Let's hope we're not jumping the gun. Yeah, let's uh, let's hope we're not having a lot of a lot of four o'clock information drops tomorrow that are uh, frustrating. So that is that is valid to uh, to point out, bud. But as is constituted, Florida State's set to play NC State. It is a uh, an interesting offense. It's certainly a game that I would feel. Much more concerned, uh, and I don't think Florida State is going to win this game per se, but I would be much more worried about being blown out uh, if they had their quarterback present as such. Uh, everybody knows who you're going to see, a name that people who listen to this podcast will be very familiar with. Bailey Hawkman is uh, there at quarterback for NC State, and the old crafty left-hander uh, will be leading the Wolfpack come Saturday evening. Yes, he will. And I, I got to tell you, man, he has really played uh, very poorly so far this year with one exception, and that exception was last week. So I'm I'm very interested to see what Bailey Hockman does against Ford State. This NC State offense has been certainly better than its defense. Uh, I think it has a um, okay run game. It's certainly not a, not a good run game. The, this is a big offensive line. It's an offensive line that's uh, fairly good as far as protecting the passer normally, but it doesn't get much push up front. This is where I kind of get weirded out doing these FSU previews now, man, because I'm like, okay, I have a fairly good handle on this team. Here's what I see from them. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, it doesn't really matter because they're playing Florida State and none of these priors are relevant in any way. Who knows? They could absolutely go out there and just push FSU's front around. Marvin's not playing, but I think you'll have Cooper and you know some of those guys. So, you know, we'll see how FSU's able to hold up against the run. Um, NC State has some some very physical, bigger backs. Uh, you know, Knight, they're, they're, they're Zonovan. That's not. Uh, they call him Bam. I was like, wait, what? who's Zonovan? Yeah, uh, Bam Knight, big time runner for them. Um, Ricky Person is also you know pretty good player for them. Jordan Houston is is kind of a changeup guy that they give him some carries, but they they have a decent run game. Um, at receiver, they kind of have one dude who is just. Really, really good. And that that's uh, Emeka Meze. We, we talked about him actually in last year's game as well. 
I think the game before too, although he was hurt one of those years. Uh, Thayer Thomas is a slot receiver who you need to know about. Given FSU struggles this year, covering some of these slot guys, especially when, when they get matched up on a linebacker, uh, you'll probably need to hear about him and know him very well. I think their tight end, Kerry Angeline, is, is a pretty damn good football player. And uh, so you'll probably hear his name called a little bit. Uh, the spread on this game is 10, and the over-under is uh, 59-60. So basically, Vegas kind of expects a 35-25 game here. Um, this team just scored 41 on Miami. I could see this game going lower scoring if it's basically NC State gets up and then, and then bleeds the clock for the second half. You know, there, there's only been a couple games this year where, where, where they've scored over, over 30 points. They, they put 31 on Duke. They actually had 38 against UVA. That was with Devin Leary, I believe. Um, 30 against Pitt, which should give you a good indication of, you know, you saw what FSU just did against Pitt. Um, but Hockman, even with that, that big game against Miami, man, five and a half yards adjusted net yards and attempt, 61% completions, five to five touchdown interception ratio. He's, he's not great. No, no. I mean, he's limited. He, he does what you expect him. I mean, he makes his, he makes his living on kind of short, uh, underneath routes. They do, uh, some crossing, uh, they have some crossing principles in their offense. He also kind of comes up and kind of throws it to a spot in anticipatory uh, ways at times. They've got a couple other larger receivers that you'll see uh, featured, and that's a little bit of a concern. I don't. They're certainly not the banner names uh, out there, but I would, wouldn't surprise to see. They've got a couple guys that are 6'3", 6'4", uh, that I wouldn't be surprised to see in short yardage or, or goal line. But, yeah, I mean, it is a – it is a limited offense uh, to an extent, and it, they're not going to necessarily do anything that just blows you away. Uh, again, like you said, having said all that, we don't. I mean, we don't know, man. This is a damn. Two of their wide receivers could go for 125 yards, and and Knight could run for a buck fifty or something like that. You just don't know what you're going to get out of this team. Uh, the level of focus, obviously, if you are going to take a a night game in Raleigh, probably better to do it with the stands empty. Uh, but we'll just have to see as to what the response is uh, from Florida State's defense. There's some aspects that make me think that they would uh, match up, you know, reasonably well with, with this team. So your guess is as good as mine when it comes to a lot of this stuff this year. I, I agree. Um, you know, a big thing of this is just wh- where individually are, are these defensive players at? Are, 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 they still, are they still bought in? Is this something you're just going to have to evaluate you know, next year or something like that. I I don't know. NC State pass protects pretty well. Florida State's coverage has not been great. That that's one area where I, I think Bailey Hockman should be able to sit back there and and largely, you know, kind of kind of pick FSU apart. This is not a real big um it's it's really not not a very big like tempo team, but they're not they're not incredibly slow. They have a new offense this year, by the way. So they, they are throwing the ball more you know, on, on first down than, than they used to be. They're, they're not a, a big time, you know, run on first down type team. And I just, I don't know. I don't think I've ever really felt kind of less like sure of what we're going to get there. It's hard for me to think that FSU is going to hold NC State under 30. I could see some scenarios in which they hold, they hold NC State under 40. Under 30 to me is, is difficult to foresee unless Bailey Hockman just plays terribly, which 
in a lot of the games this year, he has. But in the most recent game, looks like he put something together. And I know Miami had a lot of guys out with COVID, but I'm still not sure like what defense is better, Miami with a bunch of dudes out with COVID or FSU. You know, it's it's worth examining there. You want to go? Uh, you want to go look congruity? Something this team doesn't have a lot of right now. Yeah, no, we're lacking. We could use some uh, some outside work to come in and get everybody kind of on the same page. Absolutely. Uh, the optimization of this roster would be something that I would welcome, as would you, uh, as would Matt Lewis, and we would invite you to uh, reach out to Matt and see how he can make your business better. Uh, Congruity is experiencing your business optimized. Uh, we have recommended them to a couple people that we're close to, and, and hopefully that will end up being uh, – Beneficial for everybody involved. Uh, so you can reach Matt at 844-247-4100. Again, 844-247-4100 or Knowles at congruityhr.com. All right. So let's talk about, about the NC State defense uh, against the Florida State offense. By the way, FSU's offense uh, is now once again worse than its defense in SP+. They very briefly pulled ahead and then now they're, they're back. Uh, they're, they're back. I have no idea if Jordan Travis is going to play in this game. I have doubts about whether he's practiced this week much, uh, if at all. I'd guess 65-35 no, just personally. I would take the over on the no, Yeah, um, personally. I, we know Love Taylor is not going to play. I don't think Washington looks healthy. You don't have Terry. I have a hard time seeing this team scoring more than like 20 points. I know NC State's defense is bad. They're they're 85th in the nation. They're actually, this is kind of crazy. So check this out. NC State's defense, according to the ratings, is the worst unit on the field. Yeah. Their offense is the best unit on the field. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't take into account all, all these injuries. Like I think FSU's offense will be the worst unit on the field. I am grasping at straws when I say this, bud. But if there is a roster that the game plan from last year would have worked or would have had some level of success. And I don't mean replicating the pace and stuff like that, but the James Blackman kind of throw it short a couple of times, try to throw nine routes to Maureen Terry uh, and just play that on repeat. This may be one of the ones that I would want to do it the most with. Uh, Maybe Jordan Young can fill that void. Maybe there's a quarterback that can stretch the defense uh, as much as possible, but uh, you know, may, maybe the idea of getting Blackman involved last week was was the idea that his skill set would, uh, if there was a game where it might be particularly useful, that the NC State game might be it. So, grasping, grasping at straws. So there's there's some interesting stuff going on here, right? Um, NC State, I don't think trusts its secondary really at all, uh, and as a result, it plays a lot of soft coverage. They they give up a lot of short completions, like, like you mentioned. They also load up to stop the run. Most teams don't run the ball on them on on standard downs, which probably means NC State's giving them looks and says, hey, you shouldn't run the ball. You, you should try to throw it on us. And teams are like, okay, we'll throw it on you. And oh, lo and behold, they're actually really good at it, at, at throwing the ball on them. NC State is 85th in the nation as far as uh, efficiency allowed against the pass, uh, 50th in preventing explosiveness. So relatively much better. Pretty decent on, on run defense. Not Not amazing, but you know, decent. I I just I don't I don't really know what what is Florida State's plan to block these guys if you don't have Jordan Travis in there. I, I, you can you can run the same offense that you ran with Jordan Travis by using Chepa Purdy, uh, who I I think you have to expect Chepa Purdy plays this game personally. 
even even so, I, I don't think they're going to respect Trevor Purdy's legs quite like they do Jordan Travis's. Your your tackles in this game are Darius Washington and Robert Scott. Babyon and Dante Lucas are coming off, you know, two pretty suspect games. NC State has a lot of size up front, especially at, at the D tackle position. Uh, Ali McNeil is, is a big time player for them. Savion Jackson has a lot of ability. You know, we'll see what they do with with, with uh, Drake Thomas at kind of the, at that stand up position. This is going to be interesting to see how FSU handles this. I just I don't know that they that they will, and it's possible. I just I have no idea what to expect. This is a this is a very very kind of new territory for us with the new quarterback with with these new offensive linemen or injured or both offensive linemen in there. Who are you running out there at receiver? Like, like do you, do you trust Warren Thompson to be in your lineup? I I don't. No oh, man. I mean, yeah. Talk about talk about names that I anticipated hearing today, but you know, it's a seven thirty kickoff. I would just if you're couple, you know, if you're three brown brown liquors drink deep, don't go making any extrapolations from what you see. I, I think it's going to be uh, a very frustrating game, and uh, I don't expect this offense to have a whole lot of success. And, and the offensive line may look like. Some of the horrible offensive lines we've seen the past two two years because uh, one, it's many of the same pieces, and two, uh, you know, I think we've both been pretty clear as to whether or not we expect Travis to play, and if Travis isn't playing, you know, all the warts come back into play, and and now all the warts come back into play, and you don't have your best offensive lineman. It's uh, you know, it's going to be a tough night. I would expect. I wouldn't be shocked to see Rotomaker get involved either, uh, to some extent, but. Uh, you know, maybe you get a chance to really work with Purdy and, and draw up a, an idea as to what you think uh, fits best with him. And and if you're a big Florida State diehard fan, you really want to try to catch something out of this game, uh, see what kind of tweaks there are. See what kind of, uh, you know, things that they try to to change with the idea that uh, that's going to be your quarterback. And, and maybe it's a little bit of an assessment as to where they see his strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, I mean, I think. I think you're better off doing that rather than getting frustrated when, you know, you get sacked three times in the first half or something like that. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I look, I, but there are some things I'm looking forward to in this game. I, I want to see is, is Travis Jay going to be back? Are we actually going to see humps in this game? I kind of doubt it. I think there's a chance you, you, you could see Travis Jay. Like, are, are you going to be able to see Renardo green? Those guys are, are dudes who actually could help you out a little bit. At safety, I, I want to see how Robert Scott does. I, I kind of think Robert Scott might be more of a uh, of a guard long term. I know people don't want to hear that, but I, I think that might might actually be uh, his better fit. How does that look? Right? I mean, does is he able to hold his own on the outside? How does Darius Washington do? Is Dante Lucas showing any, any kind of improvement? Obviously, I, I want to see Cheva, and I, I want to see how, how he plays. I want to see how he reacts to adversity because I imagine you will have some adversity. In this game, the problem I have here is when you're playing Chuba, who do you really trust around Chuba right now? Like, like which of these guys on offense do you really say, okay, we know we can rely on him? I mean, I want to say Keyshawn Helton. He's been rather unreliable, unfortunately, the last couple games. Uh, it's tough. I mean, you've got a couple guys that are above average that you can have some level of confidence in, and Wilson and, and Helton. And other than that, it's a it's a scary, scary wide receiver unit. Uh, to circle back to the idea of Hamza, bud, I mean, if you don't see him this week, you're not going to bring him back for the Clemson game. That That's not fair to anybody involved, nor is it necessarily beneficial for him. Uh, maybe you maybe you see him run out for Virginia and Duke uh, at that point. I mean, I, I feel like I talked about Hamza five weeks ago or so. 
had a pretty good feel for his timeline. And I thought the two real windows there uh, were last week's pit game as kind of a last case scenario. And maybe it was the UNC game. I'm not, not really sure at this point, but we'll see. I mean, I, I do think there's validity, the idea that you do want to put some kind of tape out there. And uh, obviously the coaches have uh, thought highly enough of the kid to keep him around the, the program all year and continue to list him on the depth chart. Wish, <laughs> I wish I could have gotten you back a little bit earlier uh, if this is his return. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting to see what a defense looks like with Nazel Dean. And, you know, in, in the, the scheme down the road, uh, this is certainly a defense that relies heavily on its safeties to make plays. And I'm fascinated to see what it looks like when you've got uh, uh, you know, an above average to uh, to good college safety out there and, and how much of a difference it looks like. One thing in this game that I do think is, is going to be key is, is that NC State plays a decent amount of like two man under. And against those looks, Trevor Purdy has got to be okay taking off with the ball, right? And and, and, and scrambling and, and you know, okay, if nothing's there, get out of the pocket, get upfield, oftentimes, you know, escape the pocket through the middle of the pocket split those backers and 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 get upfield. That's that's going to be something I think is going to be key to watch in this one. Um other than that, I, I think the line of scrimmage will will largely tell the tale. If FSU's defensive line is able to get something going in this game, which is possible. I mean, NC State's had some bad games up front. They've also had some nice ones including you know, last week they kind of had a mixed bag. Jalen Phillips for, for Miami had like 10 tackles, which as a DN is quite a few. You know, they were also able to protect Hockman Fairly well in some place. Uh, do you want to go? Uh, you want to go? Prediction brought to you by, Mad- by Madso. Yeah, we'll thank our friends at Madison Social. Remind everybody the seventeenth of the month is Ruben Day. Ruben Day. Ruben Day. As a always, big fan of the uh, host of the Nolcast. Uh, MadisonSocial.com backslash Nolcast is where you can go grab a, a shirt or one of those fine looking hats. And as always, we thank our friends over there uh, for the day one support that they have provided. OG sponsors of the Nolcast. You want to, yeah, let's do some goals. Well, how do you even go about setting goals here? Like you, you guys are, are going to, we're going to let you in on something here. We, we didn't set any goals before this. So this is like literally our, our live goal setting process. I'm, I'm going back to the old uh, trusty uh, wide receiver. Uh, two drops or less, please. Two drops I mean, or less. Two drops or less. And, and I, I am counting. Uh, okay. How about this? Two and a half, three, <laughs> three, Unexplicable plays or less. So drops, I don't, you know, IDAF about blocking for my teammate, anything like that. We'll put that as, uh, we'll put that as unacceptable. We're looking for three plays or less of unacceptable action from the wide receiver core. Okay. Three unacceptable actions from wide receiver core. You want to do, uh, you want to do explosive plays? Maybe or or how about pre-snap penalties? That, that's something we can we can do. Let, let's uh, let's have four or fewer pre-snap penalties for the whole team. Hopefully, there's no Venn diagram on the two things that we've just talked about. Yeah, there, there's some some correlation there. I would think. As far as explosive plays, man, I don't have a whole lot, <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of expectations. You're not allowed to laugh. This season's not funny. Yes, yeah, that's true. That's true. Can you give me? Can you give me four plays of 18 yards or more? Okay. I I think that's doable. I mean, four of 18 plus. And then defensively, I'm going to say I want to have to shoot a hold North Carolina State 
to 14% explosive plays or less. They're averaging 14%, but they've played some kind of sketchy defenses so far and some good ones. Remember, they got to play the Hokies when, when VTech had like everybody out due to COVID. They got to play Miami when Miami had some guys out due to COVID. UVA, I think UVA also had some dudes out at that time. There's a chance this offense doesn't click. There's also a chance this offense just finds playing at Bichu's defense incredibly easy and that this team is also just trying to kind of finish out the year uh, and, and get, get to the offseason. But I'll, I'll go ahead and go with uh, 14% explosive plays or fewer. You want to risk any other, goal, any other goals to evaluate here? I don't know that I have any more personally. I, will, uh, I think I'm ready to move to predictions unless you've got another one. All right, prediction time. Lay it on me. 33-13. I'm going to go 38-20. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't trust this defense right now. And maybe they give me another reason to. You know what? Actually, no. That, that's too high. Give me, give me 35-20. I don't know why in the world I'm picking 20, but I guess that's, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. That's assuming nobody else gets announced as not playing before the game, who is an important starter, no COVID stuff, that, that type of deal. All right, man. As, as we've mentioned before, these are very much a challenge and uh, just tough to know how much of a, a buy-in input effort level you're going to get out of the players as they kind of navigate their way through this. But uh, that's as good of an idea as we can kind of clobber together as to what you can expect on Saturday night. And uh, yeah, I already said this, but yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're, you're three bourbons deep, I would not get, uh, you know, wildly frustrated or take to the message boards or whatever else. Uh, it's just going to be a tough, <laughs> tough year to ride out and, Maybe for some of us, it's better when we get to that state. Maybe not, but uh, we'll see. Always appreciate you guys listening to us, giving us the opportunity to do this. If you get a chance to give us a five-star review, uh, it is very much appreciated. And uh, either Bud or I will be back with you late Saturday night for an instant reaction podcast. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles.